0: Welcome to Fresh Takes on the Future of Work. We are focused on fresh perspectives from business and HR leaders about the future of work. Fresh is an acronym for freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness. Values core to operating in the future of work. We'll tie back to these while exploring interesting stories and actionable ideas. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jess Pagoni, co-founder and CEO of Luna, a technology for the modern employer, enabling flexibility and choice that flexes as employees' needs evolve. Bottom line, we create alignment between work and life to attract, engage, and retain top talent in today's competitive market. Our guest today is Lisa Walsh. Lisa is a working mom of two and partner at MeritArc. She delivers exceptional business outcomes through a deep understanding of client needs and how to solve unique challenges. She develops talent through proven strategies, which make her the ultimate go to people partner. Lisa has over 20 years of HR experience, including roles as head of US HR for Scotia Bank, SVP of Leadership Development at Bank of America, Merrill Lynch along with a variety of other global HR roles at CIBC and Deutsche Bank. Lisa is Hogan Assessment Certified and was inducted into the YWCA of the City of New York Academy of Women Leaders. Wow. Lisa, thank you for being here.
1: It's my pleasure. You crushed it. Whether it's from pronouncing Meridark or... Deutsche Bank, take anything in between. Sometimes when you're just reading those aloud, it can be touching touching. Go. I got
0: a little nervous there for a second, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Amazing. So before we dive in, tell us a little bit more about you and and the work that you're doing with Meridar.
1: I can't do a better job than what you just did. I feel it's a really hard act to follow, but just to supplement that I love being a happily married mom of two that just tries to make it work every day. And to make the time I spend away from my family really matter at work and vice versa and be present wherever I am. It sounds simple enough, but I think that's one of the biggest things that can happen when you're competing with so many different priorities is just to be kind of as laser focused as possible to be present where you are. That's sort of my my game these days, in addition to everything you said.
0: You also find a way to be present, which I feel like it might be the hardest thing in today's world. So kudos to you. You'll have to teach me the ways because I, I I struggle sometimes with that.
1: It is a struggle, but a wise person once told me that when I'm on my desk at a certain point, I won't be sort of looking back about, oh, if I just had done one more board presentation, wouldn't have my life have been so much richer and vice versa. I try not to take myself too seriously on any one goal, but work really hard every day to give it my best. And if that's sitting around with the kids and playing games, I can't think about that board presentation. And if I'm at that board presentation, barring any other unforeseen emergency, can't really think too much about my kiddos. So it cuts both ways. Amazing.
0: Here on the Fresh Takes show, we ask everyone the same five questions about the future of work. Are you ready to dive in, Lisa?
1: <sighs> as ready as I can be.
0: Let's do it. So my first question for you is, how do you define the future of work?
1: I think it's so multifaceted overall. So I know that there are many things that are going to define our future, but one of the trends that we're already experiencing, and that I think that will just continue to trend upward in a meaningful way, is a data-driven culture. We are going to be driven in a lot of our decisions by data. And I'm not talking about sort of the hot mess, cobble it together, grab it from here, glue it there. Type of data, but I'm talking about the right data to the right people at the right time. I mean, think about our most recent use case, the largest one of all time, the most unexpected. <laughs> when would we ever have shut down kind of the entire world and had every industry globally working remotely and this huge seismic data pool to then work with to draw conclusions around productivity and other things that, I'm not sure any other opportunity would have afforded that much data to drive that large of a seismic change through the the center of our workforce. So I think data is going to continue to be a huge, huge, huge player.
0: Fascinating in some ways to think about how our day-to-day even right now is shaped so much by data. And it's in the palm of our hands. It's under our fingertips, in our laptops. It's all around us we're being influenced in so many ways based on data, even if it doesn't look like data. So it's a really interesting take.
1: It is so true. I, I read recently somewhere once that there's something like in a short seven years, there'll be something like 700 zettabytes of data, which is nearly like 10 times more than where it is today. And yes, I had to absolutely Google what a zettabyte was. So then my good friend, Google came in and told me it was basically three levels up from a terabyte. And then that got me back into my consumer zone of buying a phone or a laptop. I'm like, okay, I know what a terabyte is. If you think about it, you can't take the human out of human capital management, but we have to find a way to drive better, more unbiased, really logical and data-informed decisions to sort of cut away at gut and instinct sometimes. Not all the time, because a perfect blend of the two has an absolutely appropriate place. But right now we, we struggle as a community and industry sometimes, particularly in HR, because you're working with so many different systems and you've got so many different platforms to really put together the data story that's needed to just get over the finish line.
0: Yeah. So if you had a magic wand and could change any one thing right now about work-life, What would that one thing be?
1: I'm so tempted to talk about flexibility in the workplace and all of the things that I believe deeply in. But I'd like to spin this around a little bit and go at the intersection of work and life and really capitalize on this vibrant moment that we're in in this point of time. If you could imagine what it would be like if we really are able to advance multicultural inclusion in the workplace and in our personal lives. Not just in the workplace, not just in our personal lives, but if we would really be able to merge the true advancements of that game changer, just taking me as an example, imagine the stressors of tending to a daughter that may be crying when she gets off the bus when she gets home from school because she was made fun of for the way that she looks coupled with kind of the challenges in the workplace. And if all of that noise was stabilized and continue to advance and make meaningful advancements, like I said, I think game changer, right?
0: What a stronger population we would be. What, what stronger humans we would be. The empathy and the, the joy that would come from that, I,
1: I think would be incredible. Right? Talk about productivity increases. Talk about more success for everybody if those things really did advance in the way that we're all working hard to do but we have a long way to go. And if there was that perfect matchup between personal advancement in the community, as well as our workplaces, you know, when you walk into a boardroom, that you're not the only female minority in the room, that you're sitting with like people, and then you're going home and having a a similarly inclusive experience in your community and who your family and extended members are interacting with. I just think that it could be a huge, huge difference if I could just kind of, whip around that magic wand.
0: I would like to see that happen. See if we can find that wand to make it a reality. So as far as fresh takes go, we've got freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness. Which area do you see as most pressing right now in the context of the future of work, that evolving employer-employee dynamic? And and I would I would even add to that, just globally in general, what do you think is the the biggest priority or most pressing?
1: It's so hard to pick just one. So can I cheat and pick two? Will you let it go? Yeah. I'm going to pick empathy. If you're always assuming positive intent, if you are always taking that sort of empathetic foot forward, it can be a really, really great shift in mindset and how you're, you know, just think about basic communication, the foundation of how we interact with one another especially as we're going to a more technologically advanced culture and way of working together? How do you even write an email that people want to read these days? When you think about if you employ empathy into how you speak, into how you communicate, into how you listen, that's another key piece that people are missing in the workplace sometimes. It's not just how you're conveying your message, but how did you listen to somebody with empathy, with hearing them, or just sort of waiting until it was your turn to speak? I would choose empathy and my cheat. Second one was just to slide in some simplicity because I think as a workplace culture, sometimes and in a community of business outcomes and trying to get things done, I have a slight tendency to over-engineer things sometimes. And if we just go back to basics sometimes and get it to a simple state, I think we could be coming along faster than sometimes getting in our own way.
0: Two really good ones. I really appreciate the call out we can't just present with empathy. We also need to listen with empathy. And I don't know that everyone thinks about it that way. It's so funny you bring up the, how do you write an email with empathy? I got an email yesterday and it was brutal. Your first reaction is like to recoil and be like, oh my gosh, like, why is this person so rude? Like what is going on? But then I took a pause and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to give some benefit of the doubt here. And then later I spoke to the person and it was much improved. I would say it wasn't hundred percent, but it was, it was a lot better. And so sometimes it's style and we're all unique and different and we're comprised of these experiences that shape us into who we are. So listening with empathy, as well as speaking with empathy, I, I really appreciate that perspective
1: it goes a really, really long way. It's almost like we all need to have a meta conversation about how to have a conversation. So we can really advance kind of some of these, again, self-inflicted kind of unproductive hurdles that happen almost on the regular when you're kind of just going through your agenda, trying to get things done, you've got results to deliver. But yeah, I think if we just kind of kick it back old school a little bit and think about how, the art of communication goes a long way. It's a big difference.
0: Absolutely. And simplicity, I'm glad you snuck it in there because it does deserve some attention, especially because these days it's harder to be simple than it is to be complex. Very easy to just com- complicate it and say, okay, we've got 100%. 30 steps. It is important. And if we could get back there more frequently, it would be, I think, beneficial for everyone. Just create more headspace if we can simplify From a leadership perspective, you've got managers out there right now. They're trying to navigate so many different things with their teams from flexible working environments, distributed teams, different hours, asynchronous schedules, different preferences, demands, life stages, demographics, everything. What advice would you have? You've got 20 years experience in the HR space. I'm really excited for your feedback here on. How can managers best navigate right now? What do they need to be really focused on?
1: It's really so hard to distill it down to one area of focus, but in choosing only one and following the rules this time, I think it really comes down to giving and receiving feedback, really ensuring that managers carve out that quality time that is separate and doesn't get trumped by the day-to-day agenda and the task of to-do's, to really have qualitative time with your direct reports and your teams on an individualized basis so that you're in a safe environment to give and receive feedback from one another in a really transparent and respectful and hopefully productive way to really kind of cultivate a two-way coaching culture, if you will. When you're a leader, it's really all about them, your direct reports, who you're working with, your colleagues. It's really hardly ever about you. It's about how I develop them to the next level. How do I eliminate roadblocks and challenges that they're coming up with? How do I help make them more successful? How can I be in service to them? And when you're a direct report, your role is really about how are you branding yourself? How are you communicating your message? What information is important? How are you strategizing and presenting your ideas? If leaders could really, really focus on effective and often two-way communication and be open to that, the world might be a better place. Maybe that's a little hyperbolic, but you know what I mean.
0: (laughs) No, I like it. I always go there too. One thing that comes to mind, I worked with this brilliant HR leader in the past. Her name's Jill Conwell, and she had put in place what was called, instead of like performance management or performance reviews, she called them performance dialogues. And I just love that. And it reminded me of what you were just saying, like this is a conversation, like it's about making you better, making you stronger, elevating your brand, strengthening what you what you bring to the companies that you're going to be working for. and And doing that through that two-way dialogue is more approachable than feeling like I'm being reviewed.
1: Exactly. And I think a lot of managers struggle with that because if you think about the journey into management and then ultimately leadership, you're usually sprung into that because you're an incredibly gifted and high-performing individual. And then all of a sudden you're in the deep end because of those individual results and how you manage projects and how you delivered results sort of independently, immediately translates into this leadership role with very little training and insight on just some of the basics to help you be more successful. So I think that's why we see a bit of a bottleneck there sometimes. And the type of strategic help that it needs doesn't have to be overly complicated. doesn't have to consume a huge amount on your calendar every day. If you really just put a little forethought into some organization and structure with your direct reports, how you might want to communicate with them and, and provide the biggest impact. And if you shift your mindset a little bit in terms of you're really as a leader acting in service of them and how do you help them to the next level? And as a direct report, how are you presenting your brand and what you bring to the table and articulating your message clearly? If you just start there, I think that's a really nice foundation to keep building on.
0: Wonderful advice. Thank you so much. So what is one company that you admire for their fresh take?
1: Everyone's going to have to indulge me. But the company arc where I'm a partner today, I really think that the founders and the partners at Meridark really wanted to replace those outdated kind of box-ticking exercise that consume such a huge part of the day and have very little productivity at the end. If you can think of any other industry where those two data points would be so everlasting, it would be hard to right. <laughs> conjure up some other suggestions, right? So we just think it's time to change things up and have it evolve. People can replace those box-seeking exercises with people management processes that are responsive and have industry-specific solutions to increase your productivity, give you qualitative time back in the day, and exceptional results. And we just knew that after decades of doing this, that that's what was missing in the marketplace and had a passion to change that for leaders, for the workforce, and to future-proof talent and the kind of business outcomes that everyone is seeking. So just really excited to be able to deliver that through a modern lens of our software platform for job architecture and performance management and competency models. Again, back to that data driving decision, let's make career pathing and promotion planning based on facts and data and information. Versus gut, instinct, and maybe an inner circle, you really want to take all of that out of the system and pump back in some really rich qualitative data and systems and expertise that will help advance it.
0: I love that you're saying Maritark because I believe that you have a fresh take. I love what you are, are doing and um, bringing to the world and how lucky for you that you get to be a partner inside the organization that has this amazing fresh take. So, so really, really good stuff.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been just such an energizing. And I think I stole your world from, from earlier in terms of it's just such a vibrant time to make a difference. I'm super energized to be a part of that.
0: Absolutely. So tell me, how do we find you and Meritark if we want to go look you up?
1: Check us out on meritark.com and you'll see our team page there. Feel free to send me a note or an email or check me out on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to hear from anyone. We're doing a lot of exciting work, particularly around my uh, response earlier in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I have a real passion about converting the diversity of just the mix and the statistics into the inclusivity part and the equity part that really is going to to be the game changer for some of our clients and the movement overall that I think has some real momentum around it to advance. So it would be excited to hear from anyone.
0: Thank you so much, Lisa, for sharing your perspectives today and uh, a little bit more about you. It's been a pleasure to get to know you.
1: Likewise, Jess, congratulations on Luna. You guys are doing amazing, amazing work and have come such a long way in such a short period of time. So big congratulations to you and the team as well.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. Appreciate it. Thank you to everyone else for listening. And don't forget to stay fresh.